0: thank you for listening to episode 356 of 60MW. I'm Dave, and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one, I chat with Robin McCauley, a man who I've been a fan of for, well, let's just say a long time. You'll find out exactly how long when you listen to the interview with him. Robin's new solo album, Standing on the Edge, is released on the 7th of May by Frontiers Music, a label which, if you're a regular listener to these soundcheck interview shows and soundcheck out shows, you'll know is one of my favourite labels out there. Uh, this interview with Robin is also available on our YouTube channel. Hopefully you already subscribe to us on there, as well as here on the audio show. So you can watch me and Robin have a chat. You'll also see there was a couple of internet gremlins. The sound, just on a couple of occasions, just get a tiny little bit distorted. Nothing too much to distract from the great chat that I had with Robin, though. So without further ado, sit back, relax, get comfortable and listen to me and Robin McCauley have a chat about his album Standing on the Edge and his rich musical history. Uh, Robin, as always, I always begin these shows by thanking the guests for coming on. And it's awesome that I can see you as well. So thank you so much for giving me your time today. It's fantastic you to have a chat very with you. welcome. Thanks for having me. I've got to start
1: me, you, you there. Oh yeah, I
0: know it's, it's great though, isn't it? You all the way in LA, me sat here in Wales and we can do this. Uh, I'm going to start with a confession because I swapped a couple of messages with you on Skype and, you know, to arrange the time and everything. And I said, "Oh, you know, I've been a fan since 83. That's wrong actually, because I checked, I've got a notebook that's 40 years old where I kept all my gigs. Oh, here. <laughs> four, sorry, four years old. Oh, yeah. you okay. And I wow. looked and I can give you the exact date. I've been a fan of yours and I'm just looking now at it from the 7th of February, 1982. Oh, and, my God. and that is because Grand Prix supported Sammy Hagar at the Manchester Apollo on that date. And that's the first time that I saw you. Wow. That's and, unbelievable. It's great. Yeah? tour I remember because um,
1: just as a, Little aside, I remember Sammy. We we would be rehearsing harmonies and everything in, in the uh, in our dressing room before we'd go on. And Sammy almost would always come in and go, "You can stop that shit right now." <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was really cool. Was he? He, uh...
1: was, he was really really cool. Yeah.
0: Oh, because it was yeah. great, because obviously, you know, I'd got I'd got Standing Hampton, I'd got the album. Oh, buy tickets, right. I'll go and see Sammy, because I lived in England at the time. It was about an hour's drive to Manchester. And always Running the case, to- you know, with support bands, you think you don't know who the support band's going to be. And, and, of course, you come on, it's Grand Prix, hadn't heard any of your music before, and you come on, and me and my mate, who we went to see them, these are fucking great. These are <laughs> great. These are great. I did the thing. Usually, right after the gig, go out. Okay, what albums have you got out? Go out and buy the albums, and that was it. So that's great. it. I've been following you since then, Robin. So and it's, oh, been, thanks, it's been it's been thanks, really good. Uh, I've got. We're going to talk about your upcoming solo album, which is released on the seventeenth of seventh of May. Seventh uh, of May. 7th the of May. Yeah. I've been listening to it for a couple of weeks. We got sent a review copy of it love it absolutely love it we'll get on get onto to all of that people listening to this you're all in for a treat uh when this comes out but i've got to, i can't have you on the show and not talk about you know like grand prix to begin with like i said um seeing you in manchester the samurai Wait. album as oh, i played that to death i love that album yeah
1: you know you know uh thank you i wish uh and I've thought a lot about this. I wish I could re-record it. I think I would do a better job. You change over the years, yeah. you know. And, um, um, I know it sounds a little pretentious, but I'm definitely a different singer than I was when I recorded that, you know. Um, so I'd love another stab at it. Probably not worth it, but,
0: but, but I'd love another stab at it, you know. <laughs> And I've got I, I pulled it out the other day. I've got the 12-inch single of Shout as well, and that's one. Oh my god. I think my neighbors heard it just as many times as I did cuz I cranked it up loud and that's just play funny. it continuously. And I
1: used to say, actually I think uh, um when we toured with uh when we toured with with Maiden um our management decided that um they should have a samurai uh suit made for me and cats Cats was actually in London, the the stage show, Cats, was was in London at the time at the Palace. And they actually had the Cats wardrobe people make this this whole samurai that I used to wear at the very end of the show. And then Eddie uh, at Hammersmith, uh, Eddie came out in his straitjacket on a peace of mind tour and the whole idea was that I would use the samurai sword and <laughs> cut the straps
0: and, and he'd be chased. <laughs> oh yeah, theatre, all Aww. good theatre. The, a wonderful time, the 80s, I mean, oh, was great. That, that was amazing, a... wasn't it? What was that period like for you with Grand Prix in the early 80s? As you know, you're travelling the world.
1: We never did travel the world, we only did did Europe. I mean, the earlier version of Grand Prix, I think they actually, they got into, I think they got into Germany and, and that sort of stuff when Bernie was singing. Um, but in my time, we, we only ever did the UK. Um, and then at sometime in 83, that whole thing just, you know, imploded and so many different things going on. And it was at the same time that, that, uh, Schenker um, came to see Grand Prix
2: mm-hmm.
1: at, a, at the, the Red Line in Fulham. And he came into the, into the pub. Uh, we were doing a warm-up, I think, for... I think we were doing a warm-up gig for Nils Loughran tour.
0: Okay. And,
1: <laughs> yeah, and Chris Len was with him, and Andy Nye was with him, and Cozy Powell, got rest So, soul. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a call on the Monday morning... Uh, Schenker was in the rehearsal room. I should come down. And I went, I can't. I'm going out on the road. And I remember getting some really bad press out of Kerrang! magazine going, who does this Irish upstart think that he is refusing to join Michael Schenker? (laughs) Yeah. And I think we repeated kind of the same story four years on. Because it was about four years later that that, uh, Rudolf Schenker and Michael uh, tracked me down well, I was out doing some FAR Corporation pro- mm. promo work. And, of course, uh, Stairway was, I think it hit number eight in the UK top ten. You know, even got to perform on top of the box. Top
2: of the box. <laughs> <laughs> Yay!
1: <laughs> I was actually working um, in set production at the BBC. Yeah. Yes. I was actually working at the BBC, you know, as a sort of carpenter, fixture, uh, uh, set production person. Uh, because i was a cabinet maker by trade and um yeah i ended up there and then I'm on top of the pops sort of watching myself
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. it's uh it's difficult to explain to you know the, the younger generation now how big top of the pops was and what a big deal it was to be oh, on there it, it, you know oh my God. dude you you were yeah you were making
1: it you know right story very, very quickly to to digress but I remember remember Tommy Vance you may remember Tommy yeah, Vance yeah. <laughs> he used to do uh, he used to do a show for the um I remember we were on his show when we were doing the unplug tour and uh, I remember Tommy telling me that when he was uh, the DJ for Top of the Pops Led Zeppelin were on it for the first time wow. and the program director had never heard of Led Zeppelin right wow. so he came over he came over to Jimmy Page and he said, "Excuse me, uh, if you could tell Led and the rest of the guys to get <laughs> to get their positions ready because we're about to start shooting." So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we thought Robert Plant's name was actually Led. Led and the Zeppelins. And Yay! The Zeppelins, yes. <laughs>
0: what a band, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, oh. anyway, there you have it. A little digress. Oh, there. that's great. Oh no, I love stories like that. I really do. <laughs> And you mentioned Kerrang. I mean that was obviously it's before what we're doing now. You know, yeah. I I got all my music music news, it was either from Kerrang or from sounds. And and that's the only way you could keep up with everything, you know. It, oh, yeah. it was incredible. So I, I know reading there when music know, connection. Not music connection. Um there was another one. Um there was N M E, but that was more that wasn't Yeah, yeah. But it, it was yeah, more. I mean, I, Kerrang! Obviously, Kerrang! was the big rock one. That was correct. The, that right. was the, oh yeah.
1: Again, if you got, if you got, if you got, uh, you got Kerrang! You were I, my my claim to our claim to fame for Kerrang! magazine was when when Macaulay Schenker toured with White and we played Wembley, right? And I think we did two sold out shows at Wembley, and <laughs> I remember I had. I had talked to Michael and Rocky and, and they were all talking about what they should do with their hair, etc. And I went, well, you could have hair extensions And Michael is going, well, I don't know what a hair extension. And I went, well, I get you know they glued this shit in. you can have it as short or as long or whatever color you want it, right? Well, careful what you suggest. Michael had his like down to his waist. Rocky had red, white, and blue. And I remember we got the front page of Kerrang. Yes. And it said and it said MSG hit the stage like a hairdresser's nightmare. <laughs> and I still have that copy. So you know, they're by the they're, they're by the
0: gods. <laughs> yeah, if you want stories, they're the little ones. <laughs> the eighties. The eighties was a great hair decade though, because I remember. Oh, I mean, I've not had my hair cut for 14 months because of these, all these different bloody lockdowns. So it's about as long, well, it's not as long as it was back then. But I remember that there seemed to be a phase, I think it was sort of mid to late 80s, where going blonde was a thing. And I thought, you know yeah. what, I'll have a few blonde streaks put in. So I went to the hairdressers and said, God, give me some blonde streaks, you know. And Because I'd seen, you know, David Coverdale had had it done, Joe Elliott had had it done. I thought, yeah, I can, I can do that thinking i'd just have a few streaks. Oh no! i came out of there and it was just all of it was blonde i was like what the hell is going on but hey you know i only ever one tattoo look what happened to me <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah
0: macaulay shanker group i mean let's move on to that perfect timing album especially is one I don't. Know. Again, it's one of those cliches. If I had a pound for every time I've played that album, I wouldn't have to work because it's it's just one of those albums that's so. I so- wish I had a pound for every time you played it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you know, you know, uh, um, you know, it was the it was the first stab. Um, you know, I was I was drafted in there to. Uh, the management company wanted Michael to be uh, more accessible to the U S market. They wanted something a little bit more commercial. The eighties, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, was all about the power ballads. It was all about the, uh, the hooks, all of that sort of radio friendly (laughs) tracks. And you know, the, 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 the hardcore MSG fans weren't particularly happy about it. You know, that, they thought this guy is coming in here to change everything, <laughs> you know. It's important to note: Michael wrote the music; I wrote the lyrics and the melodies. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's really important to not miss that point, definitely, you know. Definitely. So, um, it was a great time. We got we got uh, MTV play. We got VH1 play. We got we got uh, we got all the daytime radio. Um, we were. P1 on the playlists, you know, it was just, it was, it was a good time. It oh, was yeah. a good time, I'm not complaining, it was, it was a really good time. And it was a different phase. You know, we'd, we'd write songs, we'd produce the songs, we'd, we'd, we'd give the demos to the label and they'd go, they don't hear the single. <laughs> so back to the drawing board until like, there it is, that's the one. And so you were, not that we were told what to do, mm. but very important, it was seriously important to get the tour. If you didn't have your MTV and your VH1 and your daytime radio, you weren't going on any tour. Yeah, And that was, that was the hardcore aspect. And touring was as it always is. But it was super important, you know? And you needed some sort of chart recognition. And if you didn't have it, pressure's on, boys. Mm. And nobody wants the label to say goodbye to them, you know? I mean, now we don't need labels, (laughs) per se.
0: It's Ah, changed so much. Funny
1: old world, isn't it, mate? (laughs) (laughs) Karma. (laughs) But, you know, um, that was the 80s. That's what it was all about. And uh, grunge kicked in, alternative, and everything became suddenly really dark, and it's my parents' fault, and let's sing about that movie. Let's change how
0: we sing and oh, well, it, it was I, I I love
1: it all. Yeah. I love, I love it all. I was listening to the Sex Pistols when I was with Grand Prix and everybody hated me. <laughs> 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 and I loved it. And I went, This is this is, this is great shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? This is just like a, this is like soccer to oh, mix yeah. things up a little. You yeah, know?
0: definitely, definitely. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's all, there's also this music for everybody out there, isn't there? That's for sure. And like you said, with MTV, MTV was huge then. It was absolutely but, massive. When MTV
1: was MTV, then it became what something. Yeah. I, I don't know what it came, but it wasn't MTV
0: anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah. In fact, Michael Schenker and myself, we were the very first
0: artist on Headbangers Ball. Did you know that? There's a little bit of trivia. I didn't. I was watching you both on it. Actually, I was flipping through YouTube Rockle. the other
1: day. Yeah, we were the very, very first. Uh,
0: <laughs> shame for them, but we were the first. <laughs> yeah, we were the first. Yeah, Unbelievable. He, yeah, because it's Michael Day on his flying V playing away, isn't there? And then and he,
1: he said, "I I play, you talk."
0: Yeah.
1: I <laughs> think <laughs> he said nothing. He said nothing. He did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He decided that. Way. I play you, (laughs) Tom. It's the same answer he would give when people go, Michael, how would you rate your brother Rudolph as a guitar player? And he would always say, right there on radio, I am a guitarist, my brother is not. (laughs) True story. Anyway, let's move on before I say too much.
0: Oh, because I mean, you've got such a rich history. I mean, playing playing with Survivor, you're a vocalist for Survivor. If you know anybody listening, doesn't realize that as well. What was it like being the vocalist for them and singing? Um, you know? Just a fantastic catalog of uh,
1: great songs. Um, they just didn't work very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be bored, really bored, and uh, you know, I was with them for about six years. And if you played an hour set, it was an hour set on the money. Yeah. Nobody going over the top, sing one extra song. No, you don't want to do that. And, you know, um, but great songs, really great songs. We actually wrote a bunch of songs that got recorded, got released. So um, maybe one day,
0: <laughs>
1: Hopefully. Finger, maybe one day when somebody is really bored, they <laughs> go,
0: oh, I'll put this out.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I thought yeah. you fitted in really well
1: I'm, with them. I have no complaints. I'm, um, I'm happy. Um, I've enjoyed everything. I, I still love what I do, you know. And I know you about it, but, you know, the last seven years, up until pandemic, um, I was working five nights a week in Vegas at uh, a classic rock show, Radio right in yeah. the Rock Vault, with almost 1,500 shows under our belt. Wow. That's great. You know, that's a that's a lot of work, man. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. and it, that was just awesome. That was just great fun. Different audience every night. Yeah. So you always had to be on your game. And, and um, people just from all over the world. I mean, it's amazing, amazing how far-reaching that show became. And, and for six consecutive years of that seven-year period uh Radio the Rock Talk was actually voted best of Las Vegas. That's great For that type of show. Yeah. So, you know, um there's good and bad and everything. Yes. And uh, we were working and that's what we do, you know? It was fantastic plus the fact we had an amazing roster of, of 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 players inside the cast. Yeah. Always revolving, you know, from Doug Aldridge, Tracy Guns and Howard Leese and David Mott of Mario Speedwagon. And we had Lou Graham out on the show. We yeah. had Mickey Thomas from Starship. We had John Anderson from Yes. We had Joel a. Turner in. It was just... Paul Rogers even came out to see, to see the show twice when he was playing in Vegas. Because Howard Leese, of course, is his musical director and, and guitar player for for both the Paul Rogers band and that company. Speaking of
0: Howard, <laughs> I have a song on the... Uh, Standing on the edge just Howard and I wrote. Yeah, I mean, there's a few connections. I mean, even going back with Grand Prix as well. Well, that was
1: the idea, yeah, because
0: that, that people would say to me, always, they
1: would go, are we ever going to see a Grand Prix reunion? And I'm going, probably not. And then I had bumped into Phil mm-hmm. Lanzon uh, on our way into France with Schenkerfest and Uriah Heber on the bill and we were talking very freely about reunion and he said, we'd have to do it with Bernie and we'd have to do it this way. And I went, we would definitely have to do it because to cover everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, logistically I don't know how we would do it and would anybody be interested and if we recorded somebody you know, who'd put up the money to do that and yada yada so there was no more said about it until I started to record the solar record and then I thought this probably might be the only avenue back into a sort of a Grand Prix thing Mm. uh, that that might possibly happen so I, I talked to Phil and I went Let's write a couple of tunes and, uh, and, and 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 introduce a snippet of Grand Prix-ish hmm. 30 years or whatever it is later that way. And so we actually wrote two songs. Um, the other song wasn't picked because it was a little too similar to other stuff that I'd had. Okay. And so they decided, let's pick this one. But uh, Like a Ghost, I think, is a really cool song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's our little... It's our little offering of a uh, of not everybody in Grand Prix, but at least there's a there's a connection, and I, I wanted to uh, have something on there that, that had that connection. It's nice. So yeah, it, it's it's a cool track. My wife loves it. It's her favorite track.
0: Is it really? Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, I, I, you've, I mean, how long did it take for the the songwriting part of this from from beginning to end? And when did it, When did the idea? originate and you thought the solo album was where was it it?"
1: Frontiers had the the idea when we when we released Black Swan and uh, everybody loved it and then the record record company came to me and said we need to keep the momentum let's do a solo record with you and I went that's a really bad idea I don't want to do a solo (laughs) record who wants to listen to a solo record and what would I do you know and they said no 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 we need more of you and I went I'm just not interested in doing that You know, I I really wasn't. And um, so we sat on it and then they came back to it a couple of months later and they went, have you considered? And I went, yeah, I've really considered not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And and I didn't know what to do. So that's when I started to reach out to Phil and Howard. And I talked to Tony Franklin who introduced me to – to Tommy DeNander, uh, because of his uh, connection with Jimmy Jamison from Survivor, and because they wanted to sort of stay in that sort of niche, if you will, and then Alessandro De Vecchio, uh, Frontier's own maestro, um, we talked, and he was he was always going to be producing it and engineering it, and he said, uh, "I'm working with people, and I'll just send you a, a ton of songs, and just we need twelve. And you pick what you feel comfortable working with, mm-hmm. and then we'll take it from there and see what what happens after that. And and so the process began. I, I wrote all the lyrics, all the melodies. Um, I learned how to uh, demo my vocals in in, in uh, GarageBand because uh-huh. I don't have a home studio. And I went, well, I have to do now. How am I going to do that? <laughs> so I learned how to do that, which. It's not brain surgery, Um, but but just the same if you haven't done it before. Um, And so I managed to demo it up really rough and uh, send it back to him. And then we found a a studio here that could accommodate me in the midst of all of the restrictions. Mm -hmm. Just one engineer and myself. And he wore a mask. I saw his back the entire time. And we worked two days a week, sometimes three days a week for two hour blocks. And he wore his mask. The only time he took his mask off was for a selfie when we were all done.
2: Yeah.
1: And so so when we decided on the songs, um, I uh, I made the arrangements with Andy, Andy Zuckerman was his name, is his name. And uh, we got a mic set up one Sunday afternoon and he goes, okay, we'll work Tuesday, Thursdays and maybe Sundays. And I'd arrived seven to nine on a Tuesday, Thursday. I knew what I, he had no idea what we were doing because he hadn't heard anything. Mm-hmm. And then we sent him the stems because Alessandro lives in Italy because of lockdown. He couldn't come back in because he lives in Florida also. And so he was stuck there and he had planned to zoom in on every recording session. Of course, when I would start recording at seven o'clock in the evening, yeah. it's like, what? some ungodly hour, in, uh, nine hours, I think, right? Oh. Nine hours in Italy from yeah, here, it is, something yeah. like that. Um, <clears throat> so it will be like four o'clock in the morning with him. And I went, I'm not Zooming with him at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I kind of had written everything. He had heard everything. And I went, I'm just going to record. I'll do my, my own vocals, my own backing vocals. And then we'll send the tracks in and and, and chip away at it from there. He didn't change anything. He kept every wow. single thing that I did. And the only thing he added was uh, uh, he took some extra backing vocals on the last track, which was uh, Running Out of Time. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, mm-hmm. he brought in just great musicians, especially in uh, that young guitar player, Andreas Cervezo, who's just, he's Everybody keeps comparing him now to George Lynch wow, at this wow. In fact when Standing on the Edge came out as a single, they were going, Is this a docking track? <laughs> and then when we just put out Say Goodbye just came out on Good Friday yeah. as the second track. And the same thing they're going, love this George Lynch guitar player. <laughs> and I went, Really? Come on guys. In fact, a little a little trivia again, uh, I'm talking to Jeff Pilson about because uh, we're supposed to start writing the new uh, Flex One record this week. And Jeff says, George called me. And he goes, did you do this new Macaulay record? Sounds just like Docking." <laughs> and he said, no, I did not And I can tell you that, that um, I have not listened to a great deal of Dockin'. So so if, if it sounded like it, it sounded like it. So um yeah he's just a great guitar player and uh yeah it's been fun it's been fun just
0: to see how people react to something that I would do on a solo level you know well I've been listening listening to it for a couple of weeks and I love it and across the board I mean you look online and so many people are saying because your voice is one of the best voices out there and and continues to be it's you've you've been i say I've been into rock music I was what 14, 1979, when I got into rock music. Uh, and I said it was, what, 82 when I became a fan of yours. You have been one of, truly, Robin, one of my favourite voices to listen to in the last almost oh, four thank years. You. And, uh, I, I mean, how do you still do it? I've talked to a lot of vocalists, a lot of musicians, guitar player. You can get a new guitar vocalist. You've really got to look after your voice. Is there anything special that you do that you've still got such a great, you know, voice? You can still hit the notes and put I'm, it out I'm, there. I'm,
1: I'm paranoid about it because it's my instrument. Mm. Um, I'm I'm very, very critical. When I started to record uh, Standing on the Edge, um, I remember I went to, to Andy and I came in and we were all ready to go. And I think I sang like a verse and a half of something. And I went, it's not there. I'm out of here. And I just left. <laughs> I think he was going. I
2: think he was going, shit,
1: this is like, shit. Doesn't like the place? What's what's going on? What's, huh? So I call him and I was it's not you. It's just uh I, I I wasn't had not been singing for like six months mm-hmm. <clears throat> since since this whole crazy crap started. Yeah. And so I needed to to find my find my center again. And uh by the time this was like a Tuesday, by the time Thursday came around, you know, mentally I, I had re-prepared myself, mm-hmm. and um, it's just, I just I just got it, just went for it, and then it just, it all sort of came back in. I have a technique that works for me, you know, and uh, something that I've really worked hard and developed over the years that, you know, it's important to sing and not shout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and you can you can be powerful without screaming your head off because I'm not, I'm not into screaming you know I, li- I like I like quality I like tone mm-hmm. you know? I like pitch I don't want to be going in and like I just I can't really fix it in there. I don't want any of that stuff you know because it has to sound true. you can tell when something's autotued you yeah. can just hear, you can hear it you know it's like pinky and perky you know <laughs> you know. And uh, whoever they are, <laughs> <laughs> and so so I I take I take I take great care of it. When I know I'm singing, I hardly talk to anybody for the entire day.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and, and that's just me. When I, I do the same when I'm on tour, as soon as the show is done, I'm out of there. Yeah, I'm gone because I have to do show tomorrow night and tomorrow night and tomorrow night, and. You have enough experience in the business that uh, who does everybody look to when you walk out there? The singer. Mm -hmm. It sucks, man. You know? Well, if singer's out partying on down, dude. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, the show is numero uno. Yeah. It's the single most important thing that goes on for a concert. And it's not about the singer. It's about the whole team. Everybody needs to be moving. In in, in, in in synchronicity. It's really important. And the more you are, better the show comes across. Just, you know? And I, I immediately think, maybe they come out. It's like, it's, it's just, there's a, there's a, it's, you know, it looks like a big show, but it's, it's systematic. There's, 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 there's wheels moving. And they're moving very easily and freely. And I, I love, I'm all about entertainment. I love the show aspect. Just love it. I just absolutely love it. For me, if there's no entertainment, there's no show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's important. To entertain me. Yeah. I want. I want to leave here going. You know, I want to be gasping. I, I want to go. That was great. <laughs> and it's important yeah. because because you, you you pay your money and and I'm a I'm the biggest fan. I'm the biggest fan. I just impress me. I just want to leave there. I'm absolutely gasping for air. I just want to feel that I've been to a show. And I think everybody deserves that. And as an artist, singer, guitar player, drummer, bass player, that's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to to be at your best and to give your best because I think that's what people expect. Anything less, it's just, just not working. And people get sick. Touring is... Touring is a, it's, it's, a, it's a hospital on, on, on four wheels because there's so many different elements. You're up against all sorts. Of, if you're flying, if you're oh, yeah. it's just, it's just, you know. Um, and there's the hot and the cold and the tour bus. is is a tour bus is it's the worst place ever. It's worse than a plane because oh. it's everybody confined, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's like, dude, get me out of here. And it's not been a prima donna, but, but if you care, you care about the show, mm-hmm. yeah. you care about your performance, if you care, mm-hmm. if you care. A lot of people don't give a shit, really.
2: It's good. Nobody
1: knows the difference. Yeah, they do. I know the difference. And as long as I know, that's what's, that's what's important for me. So, um, you know, um, just to, to, to finish, um, I think for me – there has to be a very high level of dignity involved. And if, if I started reading stuff like people, this dude needs to pack this up, man, I'm gone. Because I see those reports about a lot of singers. Yeah. And, I'm going, and I'm going, oh, dude, I would hate for people to say that about me. Maybe they do, and I'm not reading it. <laughs> Maybe they just turn the page quickly. Um, but uh, that's... that's that, that's really important. That's very important to me. So um, as long as people like it, I'll keep doing it. Um, and when I don't, I'll know that it's time to
0: sign up. Well, I have my fingers crossed that I get to see you again over here in the UK. Hopefully even here in North Wales. because I you... hope so too. I it, hope so, too. That would be great if, if we could do that. And again, you've got new music coming out. You've got your solo album. You got you said you're working on More Black Swan. Yes,
1: More Black Swan. And uh, I can't wait, May 7th. Um, say Goodbye just came out Friday, and there will be another single uh, with the drop date of the album. And uh, I hope people listen to it and go, this is good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So give it a like, give it a listen, play it loud, as I always say, and then repeat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you keep doing what you're doing, Robin. Like I said, I've been a fan for almost 40 years. And the, the more music you keep putting out is is great. And I'll just keep buying it and keep listening to it. So thank uh, you Dave, so much. Thank you.
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. As I said at the top of the show, Robin's album Standing on the Edge is released on the 7th of May by Frontiers Music. Get your pre-order in. I am going to be playing the first single from that, the title track from it in just a minute after I have told you if you didn't already know by now where you can find us online. It is of course 60mw.co.uk, numerical 60 not alphabetical. Just go to the website, everything's on there, all the links to our social media, the way that you can leave us a review, the way that you can join in with the world tour and much more besides. Don't forget too that this is also a video show on our YouTube channel. So if you've listened to this and then want to see Robin having a chat with me, just head on over there and give us a sub while you're there. That'd be nice. Right, you know with these soundcheck shows, be it an interview show or the soundcheck amount, you know. You have to turn it up. Ready for the songs. So do just that. And here's Robin McCauley with what was the first single from his upcoming solo album. And it's the title track. It's called Standing on the Edge.